Uh, my name is Steve, and I'm one of the elders here uh, at uh, EV Free Fullerton. And this morning is Elder Sunday, and so uh, Jay will be following me and sharing a little bit of his thoughts and heart for our church, and then Fred will finish off. My job is to look backward. Uh, Jay will be helping us look upward and leading in a time of communion as well, and then Fred will help us look forward into 2018 as a church and what our uh, purpose is, what we're about, and what we're hoping to see God do in the next uh, year ahead of us. Um, I don't know about you, but this is a busy time of year. Uh, It seems like we get to New Year's and it's kind of the chaos and the hectic and the time commitments and all the activities of the holiday season sort of uh, dwell down a little bit. We get a chance to pause and reflect back. And just a couple weeks ago, we had a, a work event uh, luncheon, and it was in Seal Beach, and I work in Orange, and so we drove over to Seal Beach and had our lunch event, and I had to get back to work for a meeting. And so I jumped back on the, the 40522 combination heading back to work, and how many of you have been in California where you get a moment in time when the traffic w- moves well? And I was moving along, I was making great time, and I don't typically drive the 22 East uh, bound, so I'm not real familiar with it, but I saw a few things that kind of helped me know I was going the right direction, and I was uh, tooling along, making great time, and uh, I got to a spot where I wasn't sure I was going the right way or not, and I saw a sign that said 55 north ahead, and I know the 22 goes into the 55, so I'm okay, I'm good. Then I saw an airplane kind of fly overhead. I thought, that's not usually in orange. I don't typically see airplanes in orange, and then I was driving a little bit along, and I saw the sign that I knew I had a problem. I saw the sign to Ikea. And I knew I was on the 405, not the 22, but I was making great time, <laughs> but I was going the wrong direction. And so today, as I look at these, uh, this section of Peter, really what I think it does is help us make sure we're going the right direction, that we're not just making great time, but we're actually focused in the right direction. We're also actually doing what we're called to do. Uh, this section in my Bible is confirm your calling and election, and it's, I'm going to start and focus really on verses 5 Uh, through eight. So in verse five, it says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. If you have a Bible and you underline or you highlight on your iPad or your tablet, uh, if you look at these verses, you see faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and and then love. And to me, that looks like a good list of things we can look at. And, And I'm a list maker, so I like to see a list. But they also build on each other. And Peter says to supplement one of those with the other. And so I look at this list and I think, supplement my faith. First we have to have a faith, but then how do we supplement with virtue? Virtue is an old word, kind of a moral character, somebody who behaves virtuously as somebody you could count on high integrity, somebody you could really trust with your, uh, with your, with your secrets, somebody who you rely on. Uh, to be virtuous is one of those words. But you build on your faith with virtue. Virtue comes and faith it reinforces it. So your faith will then make you more aware of your need to live a virtuous life. Knowledge is how you then grow your virtue. As you become more aware, you build your knowledge, and so on and so on. And these things build and supplement each other. And as I looked at that, I really see kind of a cycle, or a list, if you will, and how they can grow on each other. And so you've got these words, faith leads to virtue, which is improved by knowledge, and then self-control comes out of being more aware. Steadfastness, or perseverance, or endurance. Godliness, brotherly affection, and love. 
So my job this morning is to say, how does that work in our life? We go to 2 Peter uh, 1, verse 8. And it says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, if we continue to supplement and grow these qualities, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the measure to which these attributes or these characters or these traits are in us is how we can know if we're fruitful and productive or unfruitful and, in, and ineffective. And so as I look back at 2017, and I think as a church, how are we doing in those areas? If we look at those components, what are the areas that we can look back on and say, how have we done as E.V. Free Fullerton this last year? In the area of faith, how effective and fruitful have we been? Well, we know a number of people make professions of faith throughout the year, but we have for sure 50 people, we know over 50 people, that made a profession of faith publicly through baptism during this last year, right down here in one of our services. So from a faith standpoint, we have people coming to faith because of our body. Thousands of us meet in a room just like this each week. You all come back week after week after week, as well as meeting in a bunch of venues throughout the week in adult fellowships and other small groups and other Bible studies through our church's uh, context to grow in knowledge, to supplement your virtue and your faith with knowledge, to grow more in the knowledge of Christ. And so we're doing well there. I think we're fruitful and productive in knowledge. Hundreds of you in this congregation gave thousands of hours to allow 1,000 kids to come on our campus at VBS and hear the gospel in a way they could understand in their language, in their kind of a context, a fun time of enjoyment that they can be uh, shared the gospel with them through the effort that you made, through the sacrifice, the self-control, the steadfastness that you exhibited as a congregation. Through your gifts of time and talent, we also served over 20,000 of our neighbors at Christmas Boulevard just a couple weeks ago. And over 9,000 people were able to come through a first century walk through Bethlehem and hear the nativity story in a way that they probably have never experienced it before. And we know a number of those people have made indications that they uh, would like to learn more about this faith story, about who this Jesus is, because of the love that you share, the sacrifice and the steadfastness in serving in that way in our community. Every week, there's about three dozen prayer warriors that meet with people in the prayer room over here throughout the year. And last year, we had between five and 600 people come through our prayer room after services like this to pray with somebody, to seek help, to beseech God to move. And these righteous prayers prayed effective prayers. And we've seen relational healing, uh, we've seen tumors that have disappeared. We've seen bodies healed, all because of the work that God's doing through you and through that prayer room. That feels fruitful and productive and effective to me as a church. A year ago as a congregation, you gave over a million dollars to send people to Love Europe. And our missions team went out, and they went out again last summer to serve people who are often disenfranchised, often are marginalized or even invisible to the cultures in which we went to serve. And every week we have people in our own culture who often are ignored and often are um, invisible to other people in our special needs ministry that we serve in a way that they can hear the gospel and they can worship in a way that's reflective of who they are and the uniqueness that they bring. So as a church, I look back on 2017 and it feels like we've been productive. We have uh, seen faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, brotherly affection or kindness and love in the way we've exhibited those things to our community and to each other. And then I ask the question, okay, if that circle works 
for the church at large, how does it work for me? And how am I doing in those areas? And as I look at those lists, supplement one with the other, but can I go backwards? So if I'm struggling with virtue, maybe I need to look back at my faith. How is my faith stronger? Do I supplement my virtue with knowledge? Do I need more knowledge? If I'm struggling with self-control, maybe steadfastness and self-control work together to help me grow in that area of my life as I look back in 2017. If I'm really struggling to love people, maybe I just need to back up and like people first, right? I mean, I start with liking somebody. It's easier to love them later. But I see this wheel as a way to say not only how are we doing as a church, but it's a checklist that I can look through and say, how am I doing in each of these areas? So when I get to 2018 and I look back, well, I see I've grown in these areas through 2018 from where I am standing here today. And that is our real hope as a body and as an elder is that we will be able to see growth, to see us ultimately move towards where a church known because we love people. And Jesus didn't say, you'll be known to be my disciples because you have knowledge or you'll be known as my disciples because you have such great discipline and self-control. He said, you'll be known that you're my disciples because of the love you have for each other. And so that's really the prayer we have as an elder board and as a group leading this church, that we really want to see our church continue to reach out to our neighbors, continue to be a church that's known for loving each other as we go forward into 2018. Uh, but the most important thing we need to do is we need to know that we love God and we love Jesus, and we're focusing and lifting him up in each of our services. And so Jay is going to come down and lead us on a look, and talk through a look upward as we continue to look at how in 2018 can we as a church continue to make Jesus prominent in our sanctuary. When I hear everything that Steve uh, recounted what's happened here in the last year, I just want to worship. That's what I want to do. I want to look up, and I want to give praise, and I want to give thanks. And I don't want to do that alone. I want to do that with you. Seventeen years ago, God called me to this place to be an active participant in worship with you. And I just have to say, I love this place. It's not just pastors that are called, but it's us. And I love this place. I have to say also that I love you. God, through you, has changed me and my family's life. I believe that we're much better people today for that. I believe that we're walking closer with Christ these days, and I need to walk closer with Christ. And because of everything that has happened in this place and through you, I want to worship. I want to sing. I want to pray. I want to respond. When the baskets go by, I want to give. I want to cry with you when you're feeling sorrow. I want to rejoice with you when you have victory in your life. Everything that comes with worship, that's what I want to do. What goes on in this place on a Sunday is very significant. It has eternal value. And I wish those people driving by on Brea Boulevard right now knew the value of what goes on in here. We are together and we are meeting God. But we're not going to be able to bring those people in by having a professional point signer. Those guys are amazing how they flip the signs. 
But that's not what we're going to do to bring people into this place. Rather, the way that we're going to bring people into this place is by having people whose lives are changed by the worship. Does the worship here change you? Do you run here on a Sunday? I was so filled with joy as I saw the expectation of my seven grandchildren this Christmas season as they look forward to seeing what was going to take place at Christmas Boulevard or what they were going to experience as they went over the river and through the wood to Grandpa and Grandma's house and the expectation of other things that were going on in the community. They had such an expectation. And part of running here on a Sunday morning and looking up is coming with expectation to see what Almighty God is going to do in our midst. He wants us to come. He beckons us to come. And he wants us to seek, to discover, to rejoice, and to grow. Not alone, but together. And a response that is charged with that kind of expectation is fueled by reminder. And above all else, Evie Free Fullerton should be a remembering place. You probably have a happy place in life. But when you go to that happy place, most of the time, it's to forget what's going on. It's to empty yourself of what's going on and just chill. But when we come here, we come to remember. And what is it that we come to remember? Well, 2 Peter chapter 1 is peppered with reminder. First of all, Peter lets us know what God has done through Christ Jesus. Through Christ, in verse 2, we have grace and peace multiplied to us. I don't know about you, but I do need grace at the end of every day. At the end of every day, I'm fully aware of how short I fall of God's standard. And yet, God grants me grace. He beckons me still to come. He lets me know that he loves me. And he gives me a peace knowing that my life, my eternal life, is secure in him. In this day that is wrought with fear, it's good to know that we have a God who is in control and we have peace. And when we come here, we're also reminded that we have access to his divine power. I need God's divine power in my life. I get so exhausted trying to do things on my own, trying to solve problems and find solutions. When we come here, we're reminded that God has solutions, that God comes alongside of us, that God is our strength. And through Christ, we have precious promises. In verse 8, it says that if we follow these precious promises and we put these things into place, in verse 8, it says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful. Are you having trouble finding things to fill up 24 hours of the day? Come here, and you'll be reminded that there's a mission, there's a purpose, there is a method to all of this, to go out and to make disciples of all nations. And through Christ, we also find out in verse 11, for in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. We have a rich, eternal kingdom 
that is waiting for us. I get excited about that. I get excited knowing that this world is not my home and that we are just passing through and that we have a glory that is waiting for us. And that is why we should run to worship so that we might be reminded and we might remind each other about what God has done and what he has for us. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 23, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And for whatever reason, I have loved this little verse because it talks about the disciple. One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, was reclining close to Jesus. And literally it means that John's head was on the chest of Jesus. For whatever reason, I have loved that image. Can you imagine being so close to Jesus that you can hear his heartbeat? Well, I run to worship because I'm reminded that I can hear the heartbeat of Christ. And it's spelled out for us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. There's goodness. There's knowledge. There's self-control. There's endurance. Godliness. Brotherly affection. And love. When we worship, right now, we can resolve to hear these qualities and to put these qualities into our life. There will be a lot of forgiveness that will be needed because sometimes we don't quite hear that heartbeat so clearly. However, Peter says, make every effort. And I would venture to say that the effort begins by just simply being here and participating in this worshiping community. There are other worshiping communities, but if you have been called to this place, you need to be here so that you can hear that heartbeat. I don't believe that it's any accident that the the last quality that Peter mentions is love. Peter, Paul, John, And as we read through the book of Acts, we find out that the early church all knew that this was the strongest beat that was coming from the heart of our Lord. If this is not in place, if we don't commit ourselves to being a loving community, then our worship and our lives will fall flat. As we close out this year, I want to walk in Peter's example and encourage you to remember to remember what God has done and through Christ and what our maturing response should be. Above all else, EV Free needs to be a remembering place. And if we remember well, we will worship well. And if we listen, we will hear the heartbeat of Jesus and if we hear that strongest heartbeat, love, through that, God will be glorified and people will come. And so part of our worshiping experience today is a time of communion. It's something that Jesus gave us so that we could remember well. It's one of the greatest moments of remembering. And as a Christian, whether you're a brand new Christian or whether you've been a Christian for many years, It is an encouraged exercise to come and to hear, to come and to receive from the Lord. And 
also to be with others who are on this same journey with you. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25 recalls the moment that our Lord put this all into place. And so Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he also took the cup. And he said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we invite you to come. God is so faithful and so good. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Great, great message for especially today as we end 2017. So as we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, I'd like you to look at verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us, that's us, all of us here that are, that are followers of Jesus, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not some of the things but all things that pertain to life and godliness. And Steve and Jay um, both touched on God's divine power as it relates to, to godliness. And this morning I'd like us to talk a little bit about um, how the Spirit produces life. Especially as we look um, into 2018, as we look at the future. So there are at least two ways that I think that God's Spirit produces life. The first one, I think, is kind of obvious, is eternal life, right? We have eternal life through Him. He is the one that prompts our heart. Um, There would be no way for us to come to Him without His prompting through that divine power. And the second is a life that's fulfilled and fruitful and purposeful. And don't we all want that? We all want a life that has purpose and has meaning. And each one of us has access to both that eternal life and that fruitful life or that purposeful life, and I think they kind of go um, together as well. So many of you know that, or some of you know, that I've been a hospital chaplain now for the last, oh, about two and a half years. And I remember meeting with a patient um, who happened to be an elder at another church, and we were sharing war stories Wait, did I say war stories? I meant joy stories. We were sharing joy stories with each other. And I told him about a statistic that I had learned um, just recently. And the statistic was, you know, kind of how statistics are. They're not, you know, always 100% accurate. But I think this one bears probably a lot of truth to it. But it's that it takes 13 times for someone to hear the gospel before they come to Christ on average. So on average, someone needs to hear the gospel 13 times before they come to a saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, some are two, some are three, some are eight, some are 12, some are 25 times, right? Um, But on average, um, about 13 times. And so I made this um, agreement, if you will, with the Lord. 
as a chaplain. I said, um, Lord, I don't mind being number one, and I don't mind being number eight, and I don't mind being number 11 or number 12, but just on occasion, every now and then, I would love to be number 13, right? Wouldn't we all kind of like that? I just love to be number 13. If you're going to put me in this position, that would be really awesome. And so this patient that I was talking to, this elder from another church says, well, has he allowed you to, to have that yet? And I said, no, not yet. So we finished up our conversation, and I went out of the room, and as I usually do when I go out of someone's room, I ask the Lord, okay, Lord, where is it that you want me to go next? What, what is it that you want me to do next? Because there's a lot of patients in the hospital, I can't see all of them, and so I really want to kind of follow God's leading in where he wants me to go. And so I went to the right, and then I went to the left, and down at the end of the hallway, I see a patient sitting in his chair, and he was kind of slumped over, and I felt like God said, go talk to this gentleman right there. And so I went forward, and I talked to him, and I was able to share with him, and he came to Christ right then and there. And I remember thinking, oh, God, you are so good. Your power is so... And I didn't really even do much. Okay, the, the, he had already had, obviously, people that had talked to him about this before. But God allowed me that privilege to be that 13th time, if you will, in that. And so I ran back to the, the other patient's room, and we celebrated together. And it just reminded me, again, of his divine power of how God works in our midst, and he gives us the privilege of being used by him. Verse 3 again, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us into his glory and excellence. You know, each one of us has access to his Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. You don't have to be a hospital chaplain. But the question that I want to pose for us for this upcoming year is will we slow down enough to listen? Will we slow down enough to hear what God wants us to do? Because I believe that he is working and he is alive and well and moving and we have the opportunity to join with him, but our lives seem to be so busy and so preoccupied by things that we don't seem to take a lot of time to just really stop and listen to his spirit and what he wants us to do. That day, God produced life, eternal life, in a patient right there in front of me. It was an amazing thing to watch. Do you know that every relationship that you and I have is an opportunity to disciple someone? Whether that's our friends, whether that's our kids, whether that's our neighbors, our coworkers, every relationship that each one of us in this room have is an opportunity to disciple someone. But what kind of disciple? And disciples of what? Are we producing disciples of this culture? Or are we producing disciples of Jesus? The second kind of life that God's Spirit produces is a, is a fulfilled life or a purposeful life. 
So I remember, um, it's been three and a half years now since I had my stroke in my optic nerve where I became visually impaired. And I remember the weekend that that happened that I didn't really want to go to church. Um, I, and it wasn't because I didn't want to worship, I did. It's just that I, I was uh, maybe a little embarrassed that I'd be walking down the spine and I wouldn't be able to recognize people and people would think that I'm ignoring them or shining them on and I didn't want to go through that, that particular day because I had just lost my career of 34 years. I just lost my ability to drive, and I, so I was processing all this emotional stuff in my life, but I knew, I knew that I needed to go and worship. And so I, I went, and I had my lovely wife with me, and I just love this gal because she knows me so well. So as we're walking down the spine, she would say, here comes Jim. Here comes Bob. Say hi. And so as I would walk past, I'd be able to say hi, people. But I came into the, the worship center, where you're sitting. And the very first song that was played was Be Thou My Vision. And I knew God's divine power had orchestrated that service just for me. Because God said, I'm not done with you yet, Fred. Just because you can't see well doesn't mean that I'm done with you. I'm your vision. I'm your purpose. And that spoke volumes to me. It set the course for, for what was to transpire in my life, um, even up to this day. So when I first started as a chaplain, um, I, I became a little discouraged because it was a whole different world for me. I was used to painting houses for 34 years. And so now um, I'm in this chaplain world at the hospital, and I remember feeling, you know, kind of discouraged and thinking to myself, is this really doing any good? I mean, I go in with the patient, I spend 10, 15 minutes with them on average, I pray with them, but is that, is that really doing any good? And, and, and I honestly, as I had that thought in my mind, I get a phone call. And it's from a patient of 20 years ago. And the patient says to me, um, hey, do you happen to know who the chaplain was 20 years ago? And I said, I have no idea. I said, I, I, was, a, I was a painting contractor then, and I didn't even know what a chaplain was, right? And so, um, I, but I said, I'm really curious. Why do you want to know? And he says, well, two years ago, I gave my life to Christ. He said, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm tracking back all of the people that influenced my life and my journey to Christ. And he said that chaplain was the, fir- was the first person that I met who was a believer, and he gave me my first Bible. And I read that Bible, and that began the journey for me coming to Christ. And I thought to myself, okay, Lord, I'm starting to get it. Your divine power produces life. You see, God knew at that time that I needed that encouragement. A simple phone call for me put things back into perspective again. 
It reminded me of my purpose. It reminded me of my calling. And that was to make disciples. To listen to him and to obey him. And so as you think about 2018, I want you to know that as a church, we're not interested in... um, We're not interested in transfer growth. We don't want to take people from other churches to grow this place. We want to grow this place because each one of us is sharing God's goodness with others. That people are coming to Jesus. That's how we grow the church. That's what the church is all about. And he's chosen each one of us to be his ambassadors and his representatives, not by our might, but by his might. It doesn't really matter if you're number one, or number five, or number eight, or number 12. Each one of us have the opportunity to be a a part of someone's faith story. But we need to be at a place where we slow down and we listen to his spirit. We listen to his still voice giving us guidance and direction. And then we be obedient and to do what he wants us to do and to speak when he wants us to speak. We have access to this divine power to work godliness in our lives. You know, that part of sanctification that produces godliness within us is an ongoing thing. We're all sinners. We all fall short each and every day. But his spirit continues, first of all, to forgive us, but then to produce that godliness. But but his spirit also gives us life. That we have a purpose. That we have a calling that we have an opportunity to live a fulfilled life, and that's by listening to him and following what he wants us to do. So let me pray for us. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your spirit. Father, we would just ask that you would forgive us for the many times that we have missed opportunities when you've tried to speak to us. Lord, may 2018 be a year, a year where we listen to your spirit, where we listen to what you want us to do, and then that we're obedient to that. Father, I pray that you would produce in each one of us here the fruits of your spirit, that love, that joy, that peace, that patience that kindness, that gentleness, that self-control. And Father, may 2018 be a year where we love you more, where we share about you more, and where we live like you more. In Jesus' name, amen.